0: Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. Girl, How's it going, everybody? This is Let's Talk Sports on ESPN Honolulu. Tanner Hayworth filling in for Kanoa Leahy. Um, it's been a wonderful, great full day of college basketball yesterday and that was a day that started all the way bright and early for all of us and ended nice and late for some of us what i'm talking about here is first we had our all-state maui invitational if we want to go through that so far today we had the first game of the session which was the third place game in the all-state maui invitational between number one kansas and number seven tennessee where number one kansas after falling to marquette uh Uh, late yesterday does fall back on redemption and takes down the volunteers 69 to 60 where hunter dickinson had 17 points and 20 rebounds so a nice little bounce back for the former michigan transfer i saw a really uh great tweet uh over on x or or a great post on twitter or however you want to say it but samuel l jackson decided to put his name into the uh into the sports analyst world and i think he called hunter dickinson he flops more than the guys on the soccer pitches out there so hey you do what you got to do for the win i guess for hunter dickinson and the kansas jayhawks coming up next probably in the next uh, couple of minutes in about i think that's in about eight minutes that will be the first place game for the all-state maui invitational where number two purdue will take on number four marquette and overall watching all of the games. I really think that Marquette has looked like the best team in this Maui Invitational. Now, you look at the last two games, you know, the 73 to 59 victory over Kansas, the 71 to 69 uh come from behind victory over UCLA. So they've had two totally different tones of victories of the comeback win and the blowout of kansas last night so it's going to be a question on okay what are you going to do against this purdue team and zach edie who's that let's be real zach edie is probably gunning once again to be the best player in the nation right now in college basketball because what can you do against a guy that size well the best thing to do i I think from what we've seen against Purdue in the last couple of years in the Zach Eady times has been get ahead of them. Because I think the more that you have to force Purdue to get as many points as possible uh, rather than trying to be a little slower, a little more methodical, I think – then that's where you find more victories with purdue is when they can kind of rely more on zach edie kind of breaking you down slowly but surely but marquette probably has the best chance of victory looking at how fast they play how quickly they can get points up with shaka smarts offense there so i got money on marquette i think today and not just because their color scheme is blue and yellow uh I always got to make sure to rep those boys. But, of course, what also happened late last night after all of that All-State Maui Invitational was our good old Rainbow Warriors taking on the Northern Arizona Lumberjacks in a 70-61 to victory for the Rainbow Warriors. Now, that was probably the first frustrating game of the season. I think this is a game where if... The same situation happened last year with last year's roster. This is kind of looking like that Texas A&M Commerce loss or that Yale loss early in the season last year where Hawaii's offense just looked absolutely sluggish, really terrible. The only way they were really scoring points was by layups and free throws. I think their first real jumper of the game came from like Matthew Cotton kind of earlier. I think he had drained a 3 at some point but it was a lot of layups a lot of free throws and a lot of frustration with Hawaii's offense which then allowed Northern Arizona's offense to kind of start lighting up the field on their side as well however by the time that the second half rolled around I think something did kind of light up for the Hawaii offense you had a a very cold uh, Juan Munoz uh come up to the free throw line after a technical foul. I don't I think this was the first technical foul where one of the players for NAU had a travel. He argued with the ref so they got a quick tech. Then Juan Munoz went up, got two free throws and then drained two straight threes right afterwards. This was of course after he changed his shoes during halftime who went from his uh sweet little baby blue shoes who I think best shoes i think on the team so far to these uh more black and yellow shoes and those seem to be working out for him as he finished the game with um 10 points off the or 13 point no that's minutes 10 points off the bench going two of seven from the three-point line and four from four perfect from the free throw line as well and i think another guy that's really one of the Real catalysts, I think, for this Hawaii offense last night against Northern Arizona. Another guy that really stepped up, I think, was Javon McClanahan. Him doing his normal stuff of him driving to the paint, being absolutely tough on defense, tough on offense. Going 4-6 from the free throw line, draining one of his two three-pointers. But overall, if there was a clear frustration from this Hawaii offense, it was just their... It was them just being a little too thankful, a little too gracious, I think, in this time of giving and Thanksgiving, where they had, what, 14 turnovers, five from Javon McClanahan, where I think a lot of these passes from guys like Vaughn, guys like Bernardo Da Silva, uh, Harry Rulidev had two as well. A lot of them just seem to be kind of lazy passes, a lot of passes that, you know, you They just didn't see the guy in the middle as they tried to cross the court with some of these passes. So it was a lot of frustrating ball to watch. It really did remind me of one of those really bad losses that we would have in last season's team. But I really do feel like, and we saw it from last night, that the talent level on this team has clearly gotten better. I think that this is a way better team than they were last year because this is a game that last year's team would have lost, uh, and it would be something ugly like 61 to 60. Where if a couple of shots dropped here or there, then maybe they could have won it. But because you had guys like Justin McCoy who finally found some kind of offensive rhythm, Matthew Cotton in his 29 minutes and 10 points were great, Juan Munoz with 10 off the bench, and even more sec who drained. Uh, three of his four three throws and had an absolutely monster dunk to go along with his two blocks, the only two blocks for the Rainbow Warriors yesterday. And it's a recipe for success, I think, for Hawaii. So... What's next for Hawaii is going to be their trip to Utah. That's going to be played at the Delta, Delta Arena. I can't remember if it's a Delta Arena or Delta Center, but it's where the Utah Jazz play. So it's not a normal home game for the Utah Utes, but that is probably going to be the biggest test before the Diamond Head Classic for the Rainbow Warriors in this pretty solid Utah team. And I think you do have to kind of... Uh, Address them as pretty solid in this um, upcoming. Uh, yeah, I think. No, wait, this is actually on the 30th. So that's actually in eight days. I think the next game, I'm sorry, I had skipped over uh, UT Rio, Gra- Rio Grande Valley. Wow. U-T-R-G-V, that is a lot of letters to see in the state of Texas there. But that's for the AccraShirt Invitational coming up this weekend. Uh, That's going on for the Rainbow Warriors. Then they'll head out to Utah for the rest of their trip. But I feel pretty good about this Rainbow Warriors team. I think this is a clearly better team I feel like I really love their chances going into the Big West. And so far, the Big West has some had some really great wins overall in the conference of taking down a lot of these bigger Power 5 opponents or non-mid-majors. I guess we could just call them major opponents because if we're the mid-majors, then I guess they're just the majors. But 808-296-1420, that's the number you can call or text us. Let us know uh, your guys' vibes for this Rainbow Warriors team. It's clearly different. But I think it's a clearly positive shift for the Rainbow Warriors. Now, to go on with a couple of other interesting news that's going on around the sports world, I think it's hard to not look at the NFL at this current moment. Because tomorrow we got a nice little collection, nice little trio of games for Thanksgiving. Oh, by the way, everyone, um, it's Thanksgiving tomorrow if you haven't got your uh, shopping done better get it done pretty quickly here because i'm pretty sure that a lot of those uh a lot of those aisles are getting pretty clear there but tomorrow starting at 7 30 a.m you have that packers lions game the midday of the commanders and cowboys and of course to finish it off 49ers and seahawks those are three i think really great games all three games are gonna have a real clear kind of um a real clear um effect for the how the playoffs are gonna look for each of these teams I look at the Packers and the Lions first of all who of course the Lions, who are sitting at 8-2, the first time they have sat at 8-2 since the 1960s. Uh, this is the second day in a row where we are pulling stats that have happened from 50 years ago. Uh, they are looking at the top of the NFC North pretty, pretty clearly, with Minnesota in second place on 6-5 and five, and Green Bay at 4-6, and six, sitting in third place. Now, the Green Bay Packers have had a pretty meh kind of year. Nothing too terrible, but nothing really that good uh, overall. They've had some pretty okay wins. You look at the Bears opener, 38-20, Saints 18-17. They're coming off a pretty good win against the Los Angeles Chargers, 23-20, to 20, where I think that was pretty much a uh, uh, an L on the Chargers, where you had Keenan Allen drop a clear touchdown yet austin eckler fumbling at the goal line yet quinton johnston dropping the go-ahead touchdown so the packers survived against the chargers now going into thanksgiving week in detroit into a very clearly different atmosphere in detroit than we have felt in the last couple of decades i think it's safe to say at this point I really don't think that the Packers are going to have a clear chance against this Lions team. Now, if so, you, if you had someone tell you that probably about five years ago, I think they'd look at you funny and be like, hey, man, what are you talking about here? But this Detroit Lions team, I think somehow, while they sit at 8-2, and two, are still somehow one of the more underrated teams in the NFC because whenever I hear a lot of talks about MVPs or title favorites or Super Bowl favorites. All I seem to hear about are the San Francisco 49ers, the Philadelphia Eagles. You have the the insane Cowboys fans still thinking that the Cowboys are going to go to the Super Bowl. Good on them. But I have yet to hear much... About the Detroit Lions and their really great rushing pair of David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Mind you, both have 500-plus yards on the year so far, both playing seven and eight games. You have Jared Goff, who's playing some of the best football he's been playing in a very long time, where he's sitting at 2,700 yards, 16 touchdowns, eight picks. Sure, it's not the greatest, but I think Jared Goff, as a game manager, you look at the game against the Chicago Bears last week where they had came back miraculously after he had thrown three interceptions – I think that this Detroit Lions team has shown some very clear hearts. It's the same heart that we've been seeing from this Detroit Lions team, Detroit Lions fan base in the last decade, despite all large, a large, a large amounts of losses going on in Detroit. But I really do see a lot of really great progression, a lot of really great performances from this team you look at their defense who is who has looked pretty solid and in the end when you get to the playoffs all you really need is a slightly above average defense just look at the kansas city chiefs sure They're a good defense, but I wouldn't call them elite per se. They make plays when you have to make plays. And you look at this Chicago Bears game from last week, and when they needed to get a turnover, when they needed to get a stop, the Detroit Lions defense did exactly that. I look at really great pieces like Amon Ross St. Brown, who has turned into probably one of the best slot receivers in the NFL so far as he sits with 898 yards, of course, it's hard to really judge off of yardage based on a lot of these really great guys like A.J. Brown, guys like Tyree Kill. But once you watch the game, you can see clearly that Amon Ross St. Brown is a guy that you can't just overlook. I look at, once again, when I'm talking about the defense, I'm thinking about a guy like Aiden Hutchinson who's sitting at, you know, a nice little five-and-a-half sacks. But as the years go on, he's probably going to be developing into a really great edge piece who, by the way, has an interception this year. I think that's three interceptions for his short career so far. I just don't get why the Detroit Lions are being overlooked week after week despite winning uh, all of these really gr- uh great games, you know. You look at wins against, you know, the Chiefs at the beginning of the season to probably propel them into stardom, but yet it never happened. They blow out the Packers 34 to 20. They blow out the Panthers 42 to 24. 20 to 6 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 26 to 14 against the Raiders. These are all double digit wins. Yet no one's talking about Detroit. I think a lot more people are talking about, you know, Michigan versus everybody with this whole Jim Harbaugh debacle, but even in their success right now, it really does clearly feel like Detroit is still somehow Against the world. And I just don't really understand how people just can't get behind this team because this team has a lot of heart. You see it every single week as NFL Films, you know, has, I think, made a great decision to try to mic up uh, head, their head coach. Um, <coughs> Sorry about that. Uh, Dan Campbell every single week. I think that guy needs to have a mandatory mic on on him at all times in practice and games and warm-ups because I just want to hear what he has to say. And I want to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, 808-296-1420. That's the number you can call or text us. This is Let's Talk Sports on ESPN Honolulu. Tanner Hayworth filling in for Kanoa Leahy. And we want to remind you to upgrade your island style with Kahala, the original Aloha shirt since 1936. You can pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores island wide or at kahala.com this is let's talk sports on espn honolulu Getting a little bit more on the NFL topic, there was a great article that I was reading about, you know, NFL Week Twelve buzz from Jer- Jeremy Fowler and Dan Graziano. They had talked about something that I think has actually piqued my interest a little bit. In who are the league's most important player? For the next seven weeks. Now going into what they were basically talking about. They were talking about Dak Prescott. And the Dallas Cowboys. Who sit at 7-3. and three. Uh, Dak Prescott has been having a pretty good. Last couple of games so far. In the last. Uh, this season. Hits in at 2,600 yards. 19 touchdowns and 6 interceptions. It's clearly one of the better years. For Dak Prescott. And he hasn't gotten a lot of attention. Because that's probably just a lot of the NFL world's kind of view of Dak Prescott right now is that, yeah, he's good, but he is not elite. And I think that's a conversation that comes up, you know, week after week. If you talk to Dallas Cowboys fans, they'll probably tell you how great – Dak Prescott is they're currently sitting on a two-game winning streak beating two very bad teams the New York Giants and the Carolina Panthers and right before that was their loss to the Philadelphia Eagles 28 to 23 but if you look over their season their only losses being to the Eagles the 49ers and the Josh Dobbs led Arizona Cardinals back all the way in week three so far the Cowboys have won all of the games It looks like they were supposed to win. They've beat the Giants twice, the Jets, the Patriots, Chargers, Rams, and Panthers. These are all games that the Cowboys should be favored in almost every single week, especially that week two match against the Jets. If you're talking about when Aaron Rodgers was playing, still maybe that was more of a 50 50 shot. But so far this year, the Cowboys are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Unfortunately, in the games where maybe they could cause an upset, where you're looking at that san francisco 49ers game or that eagles game that 49ers loss is absolutely still terrible and probably sitting on sitting bad on a lot of dallas cowboys fans mouths to this day 42 to 10 where dak throws for only 153 yards a touchdown and three interceptions that defense gives up 252 yards and four touchdowns to brock purdy jordan mason also getting 10 carries for 69 yards and a touchdown in that game That's probably where a lot of Cowboys fans probably got a lot of flack that week, especially that coming only two weeks off of that loss to the Arizona Cardinals where Dak threw for like 250, a touchdown and a pick. Nothing too great, nothing too bad, but not good enough to beat the Cardinals is absolutely Kind of disgusting, I think, for a team that's trying to contend for a Super Bowl in the Dallas Cowboys. So seeing how Dak has performed in the last couple of weeks, sure, if he can perform to the to the height that he has been playing at, in that loss to Philadelphia, he threw for 374 yards and three touchdowns, he's been playing absolutely lights out the last couple of weeks. Now you look at the upcoming schedule where they face the Commanders. The Seahawks, Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions, and Commanders again to finish off the year. When you're looking at that, their for sure wins are there. You have the two Commanders games and maybe the Seahawks win because the Seahawks haven't looked like the Seahawks of last year. But the true tests are in the future for the Dallas Cowboys Uh, in the month of December at least. You have at Buffalo, at Miami. And then versus Detroit, probably three of the best teams in the NFL, depending on on a week-to-week basis. The Buffalo Bills are certainly suspect every single week, but it's still hard to not call them one of the better teams in the NFL still, despite having some disappointing losses in the last couple of weeks. Another name that they mentioned is Baltimore's Lamar Jackson. Now, Lamar hasn't been having an MVP season, I think, uh, or at least nothing that's screaming. MVP like when he last won his MVP here well this year so far he's sitting at 2400 yards 12 touchdowns and five interceptions to go along with his 535 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns so certainly not a bad year by Lamar Jackson it's been a pretty good year for Lamar and for the Baltimore Ravens, they're sitting pretty at the top of the AFC North right now, only sitting a game above the Cleveland Browns, who are sitting at 7-3. and three. Uh, Baltimore still has yet to hit their bye week, so that's a pretty good, pretty good schedule fit for the Baltimore Ravens. And you look at their wins on their schedule. You have two wins against the Bengals. Of course, one of them was to an injured Joe Burrow, and then one of them was a game where Joe Burrow had to leave for the rest of the game. And their only losses this year have been the Colts, the Steelers, and the Browns. So certainly looking at the future of that schedule with the Chargers, the Rams, Jaguars, 49ers, Dolphins, and then the Steelers again, I think the Baltimore Ravens certainly have a chance to be sitting pretty at the top of the AFC North. I think they would probably be competing with the Miami Dolphins in terms of record-wise for that top seed in the NFC, but it's going to be on the shoulders of Lamar Jackson and whether or not he can sit healthy. Last week against the Bengals in that win, he had to you know come off the field a couple times hobbled by an ankle injury. That game was just filled with injuries when you look at him, Mark Andrews, and Joe Burrow. But that's going to be a big loss for the Baltimore Ravens and losing a tight end like Mark Andrews, one of the better receivers, if not probably the best receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. It's going to be interesting to see how Todd Munkin switches up his system so that they can further their lead in the AFC North. But if he had to give it to me, I think going into the next seven weeks of the NFL for the rest of the season, I think the most important player on any of these teams is going to be a young guy. He's been playing lights out the last couple of weeks, and he's actually found himself kind of in the top 10 of MVP odds, and that's rookie quarterback CJ Stroud. Now, going into the draft process, there was a lot of questions about C.J. Stroud. He certainly had a much better year before he went into the draft, much like most really good quarterbacks. They have really great draft stock. They wait another year, and then their draft stock eventually implodes because of a couple of mistakes here and there. There There's also that weird debacle where, going into the NFL draft there were a bunch of these um, litmus tests you know a lot much like the wonderlick test they had these other kind of tests i can't remember what the names were but it basically said that cj shroud was like the worst performing quarterback on all these tests and then became a whole narrative of whether or not C.J. Stroud is smart enough or can even understand a lot of the concepts uh, going into an NFL offense. And I think, unfortunately, that did affect wh- the decision on whether or not the Carolina Panthers did draft him at number one overall. But so far, it's looked like a great decision uh, on the side of Desha- uh, not, of C.J. Stroud. Sorry, uh, C.J. Stroud by not doing very well in those tests, got to a pretty great system in the Houston Texans being led by first-year head coach D- uh, D'Amico Ryans. Uh, so far, he has, what, 17 touchdowns, five picks, has been playing absolutely lights out despite being only a rookie in the NFL. The Houston Texans so far has looked as one of the surprising teams coming out of the AFC as the... They had traded their first overall pick, I believe, this year to the Cardinals and a couple of other picks so that they can also land the other top rookie in last year's draft in uh, Will Anderson Jr., who he sits with three sacks and 33 total tackles. So he's not just—he's dis- not really having a top defensive player of the draft kind of year per se. He still has got seven games to build on. But so far, C.J. Stroud has looked like a lights-out pick for the NFL's Rookie of the Year alongside his rookie teammate uh, Tank Dell, or Nathaniel Dell as he was called the last couple of weeks, but he's officially gotten his uh, name changed in the NFL to Tank. He sits with 659 yards and 6 touchdowns, and I think in the last 3 games, he has had about 300 yards and 4 touchdowns. Uh, He has absolutely been lights out in their 3-game winning streak over the Buccaneers, the Bengals, with Joe Burrow at the time, and the Card last week, and that was a Cardinals team that has gotten better because now they have seen the return of Kyler Murray. But I think CJ Stroud, if he stays on this kind of—if he stays on— this upward trajectory that he is on right now and you look at the nfl mvp odds and a lot of the favorites the guys to win it right now i believe jalen hurts sits at the top as the mvp favorite but i really think he's sitting only sitting there at the top right now just because of his team's record. I think if the Texans keep on winning, I say if they they could probably in the next seven games, you have the Jaguars, the Broncos, the Jets, Titans, Browns, Titans, and Colts. A lot of these are very winnable games, and it's going to be a great test for this young Houston Texans team to see if they are really built to cause a little bit of chaos in the playoff picture for the AFC. Because I know yesterday, Hunter Hughes on Off the Bench had a pretty, uh, pretty great take of saying that the Denver Broncos are going to the playoffs one way or another after their four-game winning streak. I've, I had a take to go with... I think the Houston Texans, with their great rookie duo, I think they will be the top of the AFC South, and they will win at least one game this year in the NFL playoffs. Have any issues with what I'm saying there? You can go ahead, call or text us at 808-296-1420. This is Let's Talk Sports on ESPN. Honolulu Tanner Hayworth filling in for Kanoa Leahy him getting a little bit of rest after a lot of great work he's been doing the last couple of days, but... Just remind everyone that you can catch UH and NFL football at 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar at Leeward Bowl. They're open at 6 a.m. Sundays, showing all the NFL games. For Monday and Thursday night football, you can enjoy happy hour poo poo from 4 to 7 p.m. daily. For Hawaii football games, mind you, the last one is this Saturday. They'll have awesome menu specials. 850 is the home of the new video wall and the place for UH, college, and NFL football. 808-296-1420. That's the number you can call or text us on the Zephyr Insurance text line. I see we got someone on the phone line. Sam, how's it going? Good. Good, Tanner. happy uh. you? Hey, right, Sam. Good, Tanner. Uh, what's up? Can't hear Sam right now. Can you hear me now? Sam? Tanner? There we go. Tanner. Hey, go, hey happy, uh, happy early Thanksgiving, brother. How are you? Hey, doing good. How are you doing, Sam? Good, I'm good brother. Good. I just want to chime real quick. Um. Got to give it up to CJ Stroud, man. He's balling out for sure. Um, but what I'm looking forward to, man, is, uh, is next season. My uh, my Colts getting Ar five back. Hopefully, staying healthy, and that guy's going to have a big say as far as who the best QB is in the AFC South. That's for sure. If what it weren't think? if it weren't for his injury, I would still be riding Anthony Richardson all season long. Going into the draft, he was my favorite quarterback. Going into the season, he was my favorite of those uh, rookies, and all the way up to his injury against the uh, what was that the LA Rams game in that overtime. Yep, yep. I yep. still think that Anthony Richardson has the potential to be the best quarterback in that draft class, but right now I do, you know, agree despite the injury, I think that CJ Stroud right now is looking like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, not even the best rookies out there. He's up I think got to be at least at least nearing that kind of top 10 standard if he keeps up keeps up with this upper trajectory. I agree, man. You got to give it credit where it's due, for sure. He's looking really good. Um, but um, yeah, Colts. But Colts have some like some winnable games coming up, and that last game with, with the Texans should be a banger. I mean, in my, in my, I hope I hope Minshew can pull it out and spoil spoil their fun. I mean, that'd be nice. <laughs> it would. It would be nice, Sam. And you know, thank you for the call. It's always <laughs> fun to hear a lot about the Indianapolis Colts and all that stuff yeah, with have, their with their Minshew theology. with their Minshew magic and all that good <laughs> stuff. Because look, to you be fair, hey, yeah, you you too, Sam. And I think. You know, to go off of Gardner Minshew here. He's kind of like our new Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because we had Fitz magic for the last I like what decade, it feels like. I'm not can't really remember how long Ryan Fitzpatrick has been in the NFL. I think Gardner Minshew is the only right person to kind of take that title uh from uh Ryan Fitzpatrick as he went into retirement. By the way, because last uh last show we had some fun talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers since October 1st. Anthony Richardson and Kenny Pickett have the same amount of passing touchdowns. Let that dawn on you a little bit there. Kenny Pickett has only thrown two touchdowns since October 2nd. So I think that goes to say, I'm, I don't know how much this is about Anthony Richardson, you know, and his really great game uh, against the L.A. Rams before he unfortunately had season-ending injury on his shoulder. But to talk about the Colts right now. A very hot topic, I think, in the NFL world right now is behind, unfortunately, the owner of Sam's favorite team in Jim Ursay. Now, Jim Ursay had a very interesting conversation to say the least. Uh, I think it was on a radio show where he had said something about how when he was uh, booked for his DUI case back in, like, 2014... Uh, here's the exact quote that I could find. This was on like real sports HBO about being charged with a DUI in 2014 quote, I am prejudiced against because I'm a rich white billionaire. If I'm just the average guy down the block, they're not pulling me in. Of course not. And then when asked about, you know, how he feels that that will come off, he says, I don't care what it sounds like. It's the truth. I could give a damn what people think how anything sounds or sounds like. The truth is the truth, and I know the truth. Now, to talk about the prejudices and the absolute, like, absolute worst things to happen to rich white billionaires is certainly a hill to die on. For Jim Ursay. I think that's the least to say. So, of course, with all of that coming out yesterday, of course, sports media was going to start, you know, jumping on to talk about his whole situation. And there were a lot of conversations about it, like on first take where they obviously were probably going to, you know, shellac. Uh, Jim Ursay for his comments because they're absolutely out of touch, almost as out of touch as a rich white billionaire that Jim Ursay is. You can look at his situation with his Colts team, with their whole uh fight with Jonathan Taylor, whether or not he deserved to get paid for or not, how they kind of treated uh Darius Leonard, one of the form the former defensive rookie of the year, one of the best linebackers in the last couple of seasons in the nfl he was waived two days ago he has officially cleared waivers today and is now a free agent but how they've treated a guy like him in his situations it's certainly not a great look for jim ursay for that comment to also then come out the exact same day uh now he is blowing up on first take on twitter an hour ago him saying first take you're gonna get your a sued because there was no alcohol, no illegal drugs. Twenty nine thousand dollars is low for me to be carrying in twenty fourteen arrest. I give away two thousand to ten thousand dollars to the homeless and needed on the street all the time and pass it on, making the world better. Uh, I really tried to read that as clearly as possible from this tweet. I think Jim Ursay might be, you know, doing some good old. Uh, having some fun, you know, getting the drink on early in the day because none of these tweets really do make sense, really. And he seems to really be taking these comments from ESPN's first take and probably from a lot of people about his situation not very well. Because as we all know, this is just the typical prejudice that goes against rich white billionaires. And that's just something that he's got to live with, I guess, man. And Jim Irsay, I know, is probably not going to be able to pick up a lot of sympathy points for a lot of people. I think just generally in the world, just because of how he generally just treats his players, which is so interesting because he was like one of the only owners to really speak up against Dan Snyder and all of the situations going on in the in the Washington Commanders situation. So for him to then kind of get on his high horse for no reason here, but it doesn't make sense. But at the same time, because it doesn't make sense, it certainly makes a lot of sense for the Indianapolis Coats owner. Um, it's... <sighs> It's just kind of like sad that we just have to be focusing on a lot of this kind of dumb stuff when well, there's a lot of really great football going on. Uh, of course, as we know tomorrow, the Commanders playing the Cowboys, 49ers playing the Seahawks, a lot of really great stuff going on there. But to jump on the kind of bandwagon of looking ahead for a lot of these younger teams i think about the indianapolis colts as they had their return of jonathan taylor the last couple of weeks he's starting to see a lot more playing time shout out to all the fantasy owners out there with zachary moss i.e i am one of them and i am slowly dreading my decision of not really having a great backup situation for my running backs but that's enough of woe is me there but the indianapolis colts are suddenly looking like a team that Hopefully they can somehow find a foundation to build on as they just kind of continue to kind of sabotage themselves and all of their future negotiations. When I think of guys like Darius Shaquille Leonard, guys like Jonathan Taylor, now you have Anthony Richardson who's probably dealing with a little bit of that shoulder issue now. We'll see how that affects him going into the future. And looking at that future... And looking at a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, who now also have to think about their future as well, because they have a lot of really big kind of contracts going on there. You think of guys like Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. I think Chris Jones has certainly got to get a better extension the way he got the last couple of weeks and how they're going to be managing a lot of their money issues going on with their team as they're dealing with just overall just a lot of trouble going on with their wide receivers as well. Because since losing Tyreek Hill, it's been a clear, clear kind of downward trajectory for the kansas city chiefs and their wide receiver group over this entire season we have had games where it is clear that the wide receivers have lost the game for patrick mahomes sure travis kelsey and patrick mahomes himself are not really helping the situation but if you're the kansas city chiefs and you other than travis kelsey i'm just trying to figure out who their leading receiver would even be in this situation but because if I think off the top of my head, it's either like M- Marquis Valdez-Scantling maybe. No, it's actually Reishi Rice, the rookie, who's played in all 10 games. He, Him sitting at 420 yards. When you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, and you look at how terribly these wide receivers have been playing the last this entire season I think that's really pushed this kind of narrative of how the parity this year in the the NFL has certainly grown because the Kansas City Chiefs are no longer a team to be feared going into the Super Bowl looking as a Super Bowl lock as they have been since their entire dynasty started uh, since selecting Patrick Mahomes in the first round all those years ago if you're the Kansas City Chiefs how do you really fix this problem because you're dealing with a lot of cap issues with your, you know, bloated quarterback contract, your bloated tight end contract, your most likely going to be bloated defensive ends contract with Chris Jones and a lot of their young guys like George Karlaftis. That's going to be, I think, a worry for a lot of Chiefs fans as they go into the future is how they deal with the situation. Is it pay cuts? Is it having to be dealing away a lot of the veterans that you have, you know, kind of grown to depend on over the last couple of years? Because as the years go on for a lot of these dynasties, it's these small little nicks in the armor that slowly become huge cracks that will eventually take down a team. Now they have to find the way to become kind of that New England Patriots blueprint of Patrick Mahomes maybe finding guys to bring up, finding players that can be, you know, brought in on middling contracts but grow to be really great all pros and kind of shipping them off as their contract negotiations only grow with more and more money. Uh this is Let's Talk Sports on ESPN Honolulu. Tanner Hayworth filling in for Kanoa Lehi. This is ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM, 1420 AM. Welcome back. This is Let's Talk Sports on ESPN Honolulu. Tanner Hayworth filling in for Kanoa Leahy. Uh, of course, last night, pretty, eh, I was going to say pretty great win. It's a it's a it's a win that we should have gotten for Rainbow Warrior basketball. Uh, going on Saturday will be the final game of the regular season for the Rainbow Warrior football team, and it's something that we gotta watch. It's gonna be a very fun one. It's gonna be one for the seniors where they will celebrate all sixteen, and I think. For a lot of college football fans, this is where the light kind of turns off for a lot of people. Be like, all right, tell me when uh, it's August again, I can start paying attention, or let me know when it's July so I can start researching this team, uh, so I can figure out who's on it and who I can root for. But I think for a lot of you know more seasoned college football fans, this is kind of where the real fun, kind of where the real uh, battle. For college football begins in the quote-unquote off-season. There's going to be a lot of recruiting battles. There's going to be a lot of flips. There's going to be a lot of guys you've never heard of and a lot of guys going on something called a gray shirt. Um, it's something very typical that we love to do. is where it. It's like a red shirt, but you're, you're not technically on their roster yet for all those people that don't know about that. But for Rainbow Warrior football and in terms of their recruiting – it's clear what areas need to be hit now and should have been hit last year. You're going to be looking at the trenches. And when you look at how Hawaii kind of hit that last season, it was kind of like a 50-50 shot. I think they... Got some really solid guys on the defensive line. I think of guys like Sauce Williams. I think of guys like an Elijah Robinson. But after that, and Kuao Pehopa from Washington. But there were also a couple of guys that you probably wanted to see more of that never really got a chance to play this year despite them being, you know, whether it be a guy like Elijah Robinson, who really didn't see a lot of playing time up until halfway through the season. But he was only on one year eligibility. So I believe that he's pretty much done for this season uh, after Saturday hits. Another guy that I was kind of surprised to almost see none of this year was the Cal transfer, Patrick Isatake, the edge rusher, who came in at 6'5, I believe, 2'30. So I. I'd like to think maybe they're using this year for him to learn the system to maybe bulk up a little bit to become more of a traditional edge rusher to be sitting more like the 250s, 260s rather than the 230 that he came in at. But it's still kind of disappointing to really only see maybe like a snap or two from him overall in the 2023 year. Now, when you look on the other side on the offensive line, sure, they got their starting left tackle in Josh Atkins, who is probably going to only improve as the years go on. But after that I really didn't see much. We had a couple of guys I believe uh, James like Milovale who came in right before the year started has probably contributed here and there on special teams but they're This is a huge, huge place where they need to hit this year because you're going to be losing a lot of uh, guys, especially starters, on the offensive line this year. I think Luke Felix Fualalo, I think that's it for his eligibility after this year because he came in last year. Uh, Aliki Tanuvasa, the longtime starter at interior lineman, is going to be gone after this year. And for a year that... The offensive line really hasn't performed at its best, and you're going to be losing maybe two starters. That's going to be a little scary, I think, for a lot of Rainbow Warriors fans, and certainly a little scary for Braden Shager next year or whoever's going to be our starting quarterback next year at this point. You have to improve at least. At least two or three of these guys that's going on at the offensive line position. Because seeing as how easy as it has been to get to the quarterback this year, uh has been very not really I don't want to say has been disturbing because that's a very powerful kind of adjective to say, but certainly it hasn't been great. Hasn't been great seeing Braden Shager have to throw the ball within like what? at least maybe two seconds exactly or else he gets absolutely pummeled by a guy we saw a couple of those really tough hits that braden shager had to levy for the entire year basically against wyoming i think of that one hit where he like gets like driven up into the air by a guy i think coming off of the left side so That is a place that needs to be hit, whether that be through the transfer portal, whether that be hitting JUCOs. Those are the kind of guys that I think you need because you need to find an immediate answer so that maybe guys who are waiting in the wings can hopefully develop maybe... As the years go by, I think of the uh, Arizona uh, freshman, uh, Caleb Jackson Carter, who hasn't seen a lot of, who hasn't really seen playing time this year, kind of sits at that kind of similar situation of an ill Manning. You think of a guy from Arizona, a smaller left tackle who sits kind of slim as well. Very similar, I think, physique-wise to an Al Manning. It's going to be interesting to see if he can maybe develop into a consistent uh, left tackle starter or a guard starter. Uh, but like you said, that's just going to be potential and a whole lot of hypotheticals going on. But those are positions that they just got to hit. I also worry about the linebacker spot because other than Logan Taylor, Jalen Smith, and uh, Jamai Otis, there's a lot of graduating seniors. I think of guys like Noah Kemma, Nalu Emerson, Isaiah Tufanga. Those are all guys that who have seen a significant time this year and last year at that linebacker spot that you are going to lose. So you have a guy that Jalen Smith, yeah, he's been playing this entire season, been playing at a pretty good level and you also do see the return of Logan Taylor, but Going into this year, we haven't really seen much of the true freshman Jamai Otis out of Bishop Gorman. I think there's a lot of lofty expectations put onto him for being, you know, the three star backer out of a pretty great program like Bishop Gorman. And I think a lot of people who follow this team really want to see him develop into one of the more kind of frequent starters as you see a guy like Logan Taylor graduate. Hopefully (laughs) next year, because I think he is coming back due to the uh, ACL injury that he had suffered earlier this year. If you can find a way to bolster both lines as well as strengthen that box because as we all know run defense has been a clear struggle for hawaii defense this year last year and honestly every single year that i seem to remember about hawaii football then maybe there is that chance of hawaii coming back next season into a strong year to maybe even you know shoot for the bowl year Maybe even shoot for a Mountain West championship spot. Who knows? Um, that's going to be the big question, though. How are you going to hit these recruits? Can you make sure you land your verbal commits that have committed committed from months ago? We all know about the rumors about Michael Alejandro and UNLV and Brendan Marion and yada, yada, yada. It all doesn't matter until early signing day. And if we all remember the early signing day from last year where Timmy Chang landed like 30 guys back in December... I think with, if we have another day like that, I will be all stars in my eyes, and I'll be ready for the 2024 season. Alrighty, that's it. We got Off the Bench coming up later today. We got Allstate Maui Invitational going on on CBS 1500 all day. This is Tanner Hayworth, and that's been Let's Talk Sports on ESPN Honolulu.